Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The Volume. What is going on, everybody? Go low pod. Let's rock and roll, baby. Let's just dive right into this. I I have a couple thoughts right off the top. Scotty Scheffler, players champ. Uh, The golf ball rollback. Not going to lie, don't really love it. We will talk to Sobel. Uh, he, He knows the rules and the mindset behind the golf ball rollback. Some thoughts on this weekend's Valspar. Uh, Liv is also being played. Now I think Liv's pretty readily available to gamble on as well. And then we'll have a long, long mailbag. A lot of questions. At Golopod. At Golopod is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered here on the show. And we will talk golf. Talk golf betting. Talk your golf questions. Even though I'm not exactly you know Hank Haney here. But uh, I, I can point you to the right direction on YouTube. At Golopod is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Let's go. I wanted to discuss my friends at game time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone right here. I know you all have one. Apple, iPhone, Android, whatever. Download the game time app. And when you do, use the promo code John, J-O-H-N, to get $20 off any pair of tickets. You want to go to a baseball game. You want to go to a hockey game. March Madness. March Madness is all over the country. If you're in Sacramento, if you're in the Midwest, the Northeast, the South, I don't know where you live. But Google where these tournament games are. You want to go to a game, download the GameTime app. First-time users, $20 off. You want to go watch Gonzaga? You want to watch Duke? You want to watch UCLA, Arizona, Purdue? Purdue might be making a run. I might take TCU to make a big run. Use the GameTime app, promo code John, J-O-H-N, concerts, comedy shows. Take a friend. Take your loved ones. Have a good time. Do it on me. Thank me later. Okay, just a couple quick things uh, I-, I wanted to hit on. First and foremost is I think taller players in general are at an advantage in golf. Uh, I- I've been to a lot of PJ tournaments, I-, I would say, over the last decade. Stood next to DJ, stood next to Tiger, stood next to Phil. They are longer, linear athletes. Obviously, Phil has battled weight time and two, and Tiger is muscle-bound. But... To me, if I was developing a golfer from scratch, he would be 6'2 to 6'3. Faldo is tall. Greg Norman is tall. Scotty Scheffler has that. Now, Rory, somewhat of an outlier, a shorter player. Jordan Spieth, also relatively tall. I would JT, I would say JT is one of the better players on tour. Not necessarily right now. He's not playing great. I gamble on him a lot. Who is uh who is shorter, you know, 5'9-ish. I think most elite golfers would tend to be a little taller. I mean, that's why most good athletes in pro sports tend not to be small. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be a great player and win a lot if you're five foot ten, i.e. Rory, right? But when you look at Scotty Scheffler, he's got a lot of things going for him, right? He he's definitely in this game more than long enough. And it feels like he's gotten longer the last couple of years. 
He is arguably one of, if not currently, you could argue the best iron player on tour. Easily one of them. But to me, what separates them, and I've always, listened. what most of us have, and somehow I'm a three handicap, I'm playing like an eight or a nine right now. My short game sucks. Like, I, I am just not a guarantee anywhere, I, I would say, within 40 yards, whether I have to have an approach shot or chip around the green, it, unless it's just really, really basic, and definitely in the sand, to get up and down. Like most people listening, if you're a five handicap, a nine handicap, a 12 handicap, I put a wedge in your hand, a pitching wedge around the green in your hand. Like, it's probably less than 50-50 getting up and down. And what made Tiger in his peak so awesome, what made Phil, and I'm talking about the two best players in my life, Phil so great, is you put a wedge in their hand, in their peak, in their prime, in, you know, in their 20s and their 30s, they were a fucking magician. Listen, I, I like most people, love watching Jordan Spieth play because he's all over the map sometimes, but you get him around the green, it's where magic happens. It's honestly why his career that looked like it was falling off a cliff, he's clearly gotten the driver and his irons rolling again, but why he is always dangerous because of around the green. Now, putting comes and goes, right? That's just the nature of the beast. But you watch Scotty Scheffler, he gets in these positions. It happened to him last year at Augusta. Remember on Sunday when he chipped it in? It happened to him Saturday and Sunday. He can be in the worst spots, his ball buried in the rough, and not only does it get up and down, sometimes he chips it in. His touch for a taller player, like to me, DJ developed that as time went on. He never felt like it was something I've heard Butch Harmon talk about this, is they really worked on that like the second half of his career when he became a dominant, dominant player, like 15, 16, and 17. You know, Tiger and Phil kind of had that from the jump. It was kind of just their natural instincts of playing golf. Now, they grew up playing in a different era. But Scotty Scheffler kind of feels like this ultimate blend of the two eras. When JT is playing well, he kind of feels like that. Has the power, but then has all the shots that would have translated against like Jack and Arnold Palmer and Nick Faldo, right? And, you know, and that era of player, Freddie Couples. But you give them the modern day technology, which we'll get into a second, they can hang easily, but they have this other pitch you just watch a lot of guys don't feel like they have, right? Obviously, to make it on the PGA Tour, unless you're like Victor Hovland, you're, you're chipping relative to most high-level golfers is really good, your, your short game. But there is a different level even on tour. And if I had to put like five, ten thousand dollars $10,000 up and down for my life, Scotty Scheffler would be right up there near the top. And given the way he's playing, he might be number one. It's honestly why Cam Smith, who it sucks he's not around these events, was so fucking awesome. Because his short game, like short games translate. What do they say in football? Run game defense. Short game translates. Most of these guys, like when they're humming, are are sticks with, you know, nine, eight, seven, six, five iron. Like they're going to hit a lot of greens if they're hitting fairways. But it, it is all over the map when it comes to around the green. And Scotty Scheffler, time and time again, feels like one, you know, he gets, he makes momentum putts. That's part of winning tournaments. But think about the Phoenix Open or Waste Management Open. In, it's not even in Phoenix, it's in North Scottsdale, which I'm about to go do and some golf balls here in a second. He misses the 16th green on Sunday down in this like little 
One thing TPC does a good job of is unlike some of these tournaments where they just have rough right around the green, they have a lot of runouts and elevated greens. And you can get in some weird spots. And what did he do? He got up and down. And what did Nick Taylor not do? Knock it up and down. And that was ultimately not going to be the difference in the tournament, but that, that basically ended it right there on 16. And it feels like when he has to, Scotty Scheffler is getting up and down. And, I, you know, I, I think you would be crazy to not, from a gambling perspective, all these majors coming up. You know, it's weird. I've been saying over and over, like, I was going to bet a lot on Rory to win the Masters. I, I would probably have, if I was a gambling man, assuming Rom is okay, he would he WD'd. We have no clue what that is. And I mentioned this to Sobel coming up. If you want to be what the PGA Tour can be and should be and ultimately could, you know, probably already kind of is becoming with gambling. In football, when Patrick Mahomes is injured, not only do we know relative what his injury is, the team acknowledges it, Patrick acknowledges it, it's well aware. So if you wanted to gamble on the Chiefs in the in the Bengal AFC Championship game or in the Super Bowl, you knew that Patrick Mahomes was compromised. Now to what level? No one actually knew except the team and him personally, but you have an idea that he has an ankle injury. Yet John Rahm, it might be a family issue, which I hope it's not. It could be something personal, or it could be did something happen to him? Like, does he have knee pain? Does he have back pain? Because his odds, you know, in the Dell match play, in the Masters, is going to be really high. Well, if he was injured, I wouldn't be as inclined to gamble on him. You know, so these are things that I think golf needs to do a better job of. It's happened to me countless times where I got some money on a guy. And it's like, oh, Zalatoris is back. Fucking feeling weird. He just couldn't play well. Oh, this guy, uh, Daniel Berger, his wrists messed up. It's like, yeah, I would have liked to known that before these guys tee off. And again, I don't need the intimate details of the MRI, but I do think it's more than fair for us, the consumer, for us, the gambler, to have some acknowledgement is like, just, just a heads up, going into this tournament, these three guys are battling. It can just be a simple, a knee, an elbow, a back. I'd be like, okay, I'm not going to gamble on them. Uh, but doesn't look like we're anywhere near close to that. And Scotty Scheffler's rolling. And last but not least, I'm not going to get consumed in this because it's a long way away. And I think the golf media is so close to the sun. It's it's they can get jaded in this. I don't think, and I'm more than the average consumer uh, in terms of the amount of golf I just watch as a fan. I, I, you know, I make money off talking about golf. I play a lot of golf. I, I would say I'm on the high end of the golf spectrum for not being a true kind of like golf media guy. But I think the overreaction to the golf world on like guys are hitting it too far. Does it actually matter? I mean, honestly, th the only thing that should matter is like, is the health of the sport in trouble? And that to me is a separate conversation. Like, are people watching the game? Are people not watching the game? Like, I went to a spring training game. And the pitch clock, I loved. And I'm a, you know, a millennial that still loves baseball and still watches baseball. But I'm not going to watch game after game after game that's taken four hours. I don't have four hours of my day to allocate seven days a week to watching a baseball team, let alone just follow the league. That's just too much time. Yet I went to a Dodger preseason game and I was 45 minutes late. Now, historically, if you go to a baseball game in the last 20 years and you're late, it might be the second inning. It was the bottom of the fifth. Like, they're on something now. The pace of play is really big. And that's important. Now, is that going to save baseball? Of course not. But does it make it easier for the consumer knowing that at 7.30 on a Tuesday, on a Thursday, on a Friday, when the Giants come on or the Yankees come on, 
I know I, I'm not worried about it going till eleven o'clock at night. I know the game is going to end around nine thirty, nine forty-five. I can do that. And baseball became the opposite. It was like this thing could go five innings. That's why I loved when they put a man on second in extra innings. Is that the purity of the game? No, it's not. But the consumer is the reason this thing's rolling. Without the consumer, which is dying. Now, are are not as many people watching golf as they did 20 years ago? Or has it always been a niche sport? Like, are the reason, like, who's actually mad that the ball's going too far? And that you need to roll it back 10%. Is that an ego thing? Is that a course design thing? Well, I don't give a shit what the course designers think. I care about, are, do people consume the sport? Does the sport feel relevant? Do Is the talent there? Like, I think the variables on this aren't being talked about. Like, obviously, the manufacturers don't want to mess with it. Don't blame them. But if they're not hitting it as far, does that make for a better tournament? Does that mean we're more inclined to have an audience of three million go to five? Because if that's the case, then yeah, roll the ball back. But are we just rolling the ball back because too many guys hit it 328 yards? Because if that's the case, like I watch these tournaments feel pretty damn good to me. Now, does that neutralize some courses around the sport? Of course it does. But like part of the deal, right? The, when I was a kid, one, maybe one, maybe two guys a team through 97, turn on a baseball game in the middle of the summer. Every single guy on both teams is basically throwing 96 to 100 miles an hour. Like things adapt. Guys get stronger. Training changes. I, I think this is a little overblown because I also think we've peaked. Like we're never going to have, you wouldn't think, Guys hitting it 380 yards. I don't think it's really more possible or it's it's any more possible to hit it farther than these guys are hitting it now. Kind of is what it is. We've peaked. Bryson took it to the limit. And it's not like he was kicking everyone's ass, right? I mean, he would go to the, he would go to Augusta and he couldn't remember when he said par was 67 and uh, he struggled to break like 75. So this notion that the longest hitter is like, what do they always say about like DJ and Tony Fina? Like they could hit it farther. But they want to control it. Why? Hitting fairways is always going to matter. Now, you could make the argument if you know, you're know you in the fairway at 280 yards and I'm a long guy and I'm in the rough at 340, I have a pitching wedge in my hand and you have a four iron, advantage me. And yeah, but like that's there's always going to be advantage with the long hitters. John Daly, when he was hitting at 320 in 1992, had an advantage over, I bet the majority of the tour was hit at 265 yards, 270 yards. So... Just part of it, it just doesn't bother me. Now, if you can make the argument that it helps the health of the sport, helps the popularity of the sport, helps getting more people into it, then I'd be all for it. But I have a hard time thinking that's the case. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bet back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Listen, you can bet on the game any way you want. Straight up, a.k.a. Moneyline, point spreads, team totals. You can also do player props, whether it's points, rebounds, assists, covers it all. And so many more exclusive bets, like two times three. Two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. How fun is that? FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com, promo code Colin. That's FanDuel.com, promo code Colin, to learn more. 21 plus in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLE. Hope is here. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. MA, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369-NY. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step. 2533-42 Arizona 1-888-789-77 or visit ccpg.org slash chat Connecticut 1-800-9-WITH-IT Indiana 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com Kansas 1-877-770-STOP Louisiana visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org Maryland 1-800-522-4700 Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Back at it again. He's uh, fresh off a of Florida swing. Jason Sobel just talking before we hit the record about Aaron Rodgers and his manipulated handicap, uh, playing us all on the internet, waiting for him to figure out his future destination if he's ever going to play again but you can hear Sobel talk Rogers I'm sure and, and way more on the golf Sirius XM channel 92 every week two to four find him on Action Network just read his piece hammering a pretty famous player to win this week decent field for the Valspar and um, links and locks podcast and he, he's just everywhere so just just keep an eye on Sobel uh, he, he's got golf the market cornered what's up bro how you doing Forget all that stuff. I want to go back to Aaron Rodgers. I don't care if you're the greatest dude of all time. I don't care if you're the greatest quarterback of all time. You show up to a golf tournament as a three handicap and they say, hey, we're going to let you play as a 10 and you don't correct them on it. You are scratched off every list in my book. I'm done with that guy. Did, did you see the clip when he won it at Pebble Beach, the Pro-Am? Josh Allen came up to him. He's like, it must be nice. You know, it must be nice cheating your way to a championship here. Yeah, he knows it. Keith Mitchell called him out, too. They all knew it. I was texting with Colt Nost, who was doing the CBS broadcast. And I brought it up to him on Thursday. Like, uh, Rogers is leading the pro-am portion by like seven shots right now. And he's getting way too many. And he's like, yeah, everyone's starting to talk a little bit. And within 24 hours, he's like, now it's like the biggest story. Like, it's no one's talking about anything besides that. How do you show up as a three-handed cat? I get it. Look, mistakes are made. 
and they put down your handicap and it's like, oh, I'm getting 10. You kind of laugh about it, go, that would be great. And then you go up to the tournament director and you go, hey, cross those seven dots off my card. I can't take them because that's not my handicap. That's how golf works. You don't try to cheat your way to the top. Give me a break, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> you know, it's par for the course with this guy. Have you ever, in all your years around the game... Pardon that birdie for the course for him. Yeah, true. true. You know, in all your years in some of these pro-ams, especially, you know, uh, Pebble, have you seen some pro-athletes, not the celebrities, but some of the quarterbacks, maybe some of the baseball players, manipulate that bad boy a little bit? Should I call a dude out here? Yes, yes, yes. All right, so this was Travelers Championship... Let's say I was at Golf Channel at the time about 10 years ago, maybe 11 years ago. Uh, Bill Murray is in a group playing with, for whatever reason, I, I don't know why. You've got Bill Murray, one of the greatest comedic actors of all time, and he's playing with J.B. Holmes, who doesn't talk a whole lot. But in any case, it's them, and they've got uh, maybe Kevin Ollie, who's the UConn coach, played in the NBA for yeah, a while, yeah, Scotty yeah. Burrell, who, of course, played on some of those old Jordan teams with the Bulls and he was a Yukon guy as well, so they've got the Yukon connection. And at one point, Scotty, who was a good player, and I've I don't think I ever played with him, but I've like, you know, been in the same tournaments and same courses with him, like, you know, we're next to each other on the range, talked and stuff like that. Well, he like he makes a I think on the third or fourth hole, fourth hole, he makes a birdie. It's a three for two. And I'm like, three for two. And I'll start looking at the card. I'm like, how many is he getting? Actually, it turned out it was a three for one. Like he was. He was getting like 25 shots that day and he's like a three handicap or a four handicap. Like it was very blatant. I'm like, so you guys think he had a shot at winning this thing? I mean, give me a break. And so, yes, I, I have seen, seen it once before. I don't think it's that uncommon. Um, you know, make sure that it's not, you know, the guy who's the junior account executive that somehow slid into a pro-am spot uh, goes out there and wins. Now they want the big names to win. They want making paper the next day. Yeah, you know, what's funny is I, I looked up at the TV at about Scotty was probably on hole eight or nine on Sunday, and I realized, you know, it's a pretty good tournament. And then Scotty Scheffler, if, if he was giving some shots to these guys, maybe we would have had, uh, you know, from a, from a gambling standpoint, how does it not make sense to have some exposure to him moving forward in every major and every major, you know, big elevated event moving forward? Yeah, you're right about that, except two weeks ago, we would have said the exact same thing about John Rahm. And so things move quickly. Well, him as, him as well. Him, him, yeah. him as well. well. Okay, so if we're like, hey, we're getting the Masters, it's in 23 days, I think, something like that, 22 days. Hey, the Masters is coming up. All right, well, I'm going to bet Rom and I'm going to bet Scheffler. Well, you don't have a whole lot of room left on your card if you're betting two of the favorites right there. So I get it. They're both really good. Throw Rory in the mix, and we sort of have a big three right now. I don't know how long that's going to persist. I wouldn't be surprised, John, if like, by June or July, we have a big four and Justin Thomas is part of it, or a big five, Colin Morikawa, big six, Patrick Cantley. But right now, there are definitely three players who are head and shoulders above the others. And you could certainly make the case that in the big events, Scotty Scheffler has risen to the occasion more so than his fellow competitors. And quite honestly, the, the big take for me here, first of all, two of them. First of all, the fact that he's won now six times in his last 27 starts, dating back 13 months, but on five different golf courses that are like as different as they come. It's not like he's won, you know, five of the six times in Florida or five of the six on the West Coast. It's like he's all over the place on different golf courses, different conditions. So that part is really impressive. And the second part of this is the fact that he's taken all the air 
out of these golf tournaments. So it's not like, you know, wow, really dramatic, fun final round. And, you know, when the wheel stopped spinning at the end of it, Scotty Scheffler wound up on top. This was, uh, as we went to the back nine, if you're laying on your couch watching at home, you might as well close your eyes and take a little nap. I, we need a nickname for Scotty. It's something like, you know, the uh, the sleeper hold or the snooze button or something like that, because he is quite literally putting golf fans to sleep. Did it the Masters last year where he had such a big lead, he four-putted the final green and laughed his way through it and didn't really care? He did it at Phoenix a month ago where, all right, it got a little tight down the stretch, but then he kind of gave everybody the, the old Heisman stiff arm and kept him away. And they did it again this past week where he made five birdies in a row from eight through 12, and essentially the thing was over by then. Unless he put three balls in the water at 17, which was never going to happen, uh, we knew who was going to win with two hours left in the tournament. Well, one thing that makes him dangerous, you know, Rory's wedges can be hit or miss. Rom's done a better job emotionally of getting control of himself. Scotty's temperament is pretty elite. And obviously, did he he led the tour last year in greens and regulation. If he's hitting fairways, we know he's a great iron player. And his short game is the best of that group. So it just if he is straight off the tee, he's just going to be hard to beat that week. I don't care if he's playing Rom or me or you, right? That is essentially golf right there. Uh, you hit it long. You hit it pretty straight. Your irons are the best in the world. Your wedge game is terrific, and you make a lot of putts. I, like, there's nothing else. You go to the mental side of things, and you can make the case. And I, I don't know that I would necessarily make this case. I've heard it, though, a lot that there's so much weighing on Rory McIlroy with yeah. you know, all the PGA Tour discussions and being asked about live and being part of the board. And like, uh, just, There's a lot that Rory is dealing with these days. As for John Rahm, I don't know what was going on. I I never would have thought John Rahm has a little bit of a tummy ache right before his tea time and takes off before the second round when he's not way out of it or anything like that. I There's something a little, I'm not saying it's fishy. I'm just saying I would like to know the entire story of that because that's like a Jason Day thing. Like, hey, my my tummy's a little... A little, a little weird right now. So you know, I'm, I'm just going to take off and not play in the fifth biggest event of the year. John Rom leaves. I, there's something to the, the mindset of Scotty, the mental side of Scotty, which is he's got a really great supportive family, gets along really well with his wife, isn't motivated by money or anything like that, and really likes playing golf. That's it. The, it's just the, the distractions. You can see that there are no distractions for him. He's having fun. And it helps him climb these leaderboards. What one quick thing on Rom? You know, obviously, you know, we talk gambling a lot professionally. You're all in on it. I, I am a gambler. The PGA Tour, if they're going to be this deep in with gambling, Rom's a good example, right? Mm -hmm. What you have to announce, like if he has a pulled back or you know something happened to his knee, like j even if it's just kind of generic, the NFL does that. And now it's like, am I just going to go into the Masters and he's got a back muscle problem or he's got a shoulder issue? Very plausible. And it's just not going to get out if Rom and his camp do not want it out. And they have to figure out a way to like at least have some generic lower body, right? Question mark or, so, or something. Because, you know, this happens a lot with golfers. All of a sudden, a guy who's a, you know, a betting favorite plays shitty. And then after he's like, well, my wrist has been bothering me or I've been having, you're like, well, would have been nice to know before I put a hundred dollars on yet. 25 to one. I, I've been down this road with PGA tour executives. It's just, John, it's just not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, I mean, you, you are, you are asking the players and even more so the player managers who have never said, 
a uh, a true word in their lives to come out and be as forthright as possible. And most of them, I shouldn't say all of them, but most of them are just not going to do that. But what, why and, do they? So why do they care? Like, what's you know, a guy? Get, if I roll an ankle in football, I roll an ankle. Who cares? Like, no one's blaming you. We're not going to call you like a puss because of it. It's just you're a human. I think they don't want to be asked about it over and over afterwards. Now, I have no idea with Rom. Look, it it could be his shoulder hurt. And then, you know, I, I don't want to be asked about my shoulder. A stomach issue is a good way of like two weeks later when he plays again. Like, how's your stomach? Yeah, I don't know. It's fine the next day. I didn't even can't remember it. But if it's a shoulder, it's a knee, it's an elbow, it's a wrist. All of a sudden, we're asking that question over and over. And the guy can say, you know what? Just say it's my stomach. So I don't have to deal with all the questions. But I don't, maybe it's a family thing. Maybe it's, you know, something happened with one of his kids. And all of a sudden, he has to leave. But he doesn't want to say something's going on with one of my kids because then all of a sudden, then it becomes all the speculation and news about it. So he puts it on himself, which is admirable and honorable, I suppose. But we're just not going to get the true story from these guys uh, anytime soon. I, I wish we would. And again, I there's something weird about it. He was on the putting green not long before the tea time. It's not like he was at his hotel room going, I, I can't leave the room right now. I feel so badly. He was at the golf course. He was on the putting green. He was practicing, and then he left. It's very, very strange to me. That's bizarre. Okay, before we dive into some uh, thoughts on this week's tournament, big story broke. I got up, checked social media, and it's now this had been simmering for a long time. Explain to the people uh, the, the rollback situation and how it differentiates. It's not necessarily a PGA Tour thing. It's a USGA thing and just kind of the semantics behind that. Yeah, so essentially the USGA and RNA have voted to roll back the golf ball. I believe it starts in 2026. I don't know. There's still a lot up in the air. I think they're looking at a a ball that would go uh, 10% uh, less further than uh, the current ball. And um, maybe it'll be used in PGA Tour competitions. PGA Tour could always say, we don't like that rule. We're going to make a local rule and let you use whatever you want. I think there's more problems that come with this than solutions uh, from everything from players trying to compete with two different balls throughout the year and figure out which one works to manufacturers now having to manufacture new balls and get these players working with them to, I don't know, the whole solution, the whole reason for doing this is that, you know, the golf courses, some of them are becoming slightly obsolete because the players hit it so far. I understand that there are other better solutions. I've been an advocate for a long time, John. Why do we have 14 clubs in the bag? That's just something that somebody came up with. That's the number they came up with a hundred years ago. And we all carry 14 clubs. You know what I would like to see a PGA tour player playing with seven clubs in his bag. And all of a sudden when they have 153 with a quartering wind and they've got to hit at 157, they know exactly that that's a full nine iron and they hit their shot and it goes the exact right distance. All of a sudden you get seven clubs in the bag. You're like, I don't have a club for this. I'm going to have to give it a little trajectory. I'm going to have to try to figure this out. The game would be way more entertaining than simply saying, Hey, you can't hit your ball as far as you were before. Oh, by the way, uh, rolling back the golf ball is just more of an advantage for the longer hitters. So there's that too. So just, like last week, the players that was under the umbrella of the USGA rules. Is that the way it works? Every event is under the umbrella of USGA rules, but the PGA Tour can institute a local rule, it's called, and essentially overrule the USGA rules. Does that ever happen on the tour? 
Are you there, can remember? Yes, there there's been like very but like very small, like not like, hey, today we're gonna let you, you know, throw your ball down the fairway. Yeah, lift clean I mean, in place, not, even though it hasn't rained, you know? Yeah, I mean there's been local rules in place that are very like sort of you know, unless you're a diehard golf nerd, you'd be like, oh, who cares? That's not a big deal. But, you know, for the golf nerds in us, I, I'm trying to think of one in particular, and I, it's not coming to my mind right now. But, yeah, it has happened before. I, I would imagine if you ask most casual golf fans or people that watch the PGA Tour, they don't really care. And this is not something they're pounding the table for. Now, I'm sitting on my couch watching Min Woo Lee pound a driving iron 280 yards. <laughs> And, you know, it's not like he won the tournament, but still, it was a pretty big advantage to just hit this bad boy straight 280. Hell, I'd take that with my driver right now. So I, I, I do understand some of the arguments that are coming from the other side. Seven clubs in the bag. He might be able to hit that driving iron 290, but he might not have any wedges. So what's he going to do from there? I, I'm telling you, this is a good solution to this. No one wants to listen to it, but you scale back the number of clubs. I Personally, I have like 11 clubs in the bag and two of them I don't think I ever use. It's not that hard to scale it back. And all of a sudden, these guys become much le less precise by hitting the exact numbers they need to hit all the time. You want to you throw a driver in the bag? You want to hit it all over the ballpark and hit it 330? Go ahead. But when you don't have the right club after you've hit it there, it's going to cause some trouble. I would love to see that. Didn't Phil a couple years ago play around with two drivers in his back? I played a few different tournaments. <laughs> two drivers, no drivers, uh, a sort of half driver. What do you call it? The mini driver. That's right. <laughs> I always thought they should get the actress mini driver to uh, do the marketing for that. But yeah, he's, you know, he's done a whole bunch of stuff. I, I was uh, snooping around before we dive into Valspar. Liv, yeah, I saw some odds. Bryson is 55 to one. And it's like, you know, obviously he hasn't played well in a while. These odds are outrageous. I mean, it's like, I might sprinkle a little, this guy's won on the PGA. He's a major champion a couple years ago. Yeah, that's a big number. I, you know what? I'm, you caught me because I honestly have not looked at the live odds yet for this week. Uh, there's some money to be made there. I will say, uh, I do believe that if you're a live fan, you've been watching live events. You've been seeing how these guys play. Now, granted, they're not playing every single week, so it's tough to get a read on you know yeah. the week in week out performance level. But if you're paying attention, you're looking at the odds. I I think you'd probably do something pretty well. I, we had Jeff Sherman on the radio show last week. He's at Golf Odds on Twitter. He's the VP of Risk for Superbook Sports, and I asked him about the handle for PGA Tour events compared with Live, and he said Live is only getting about a fifth of the handle. I go, whoa! I go, that's huge. I thought Live yeah, would be like I agree. one five hundredth of the handle of PGA tour events, but he said, no, there's still some people betting on it here and there. So I, that was actually way more than I thought it would have been. My, my logic on Bryson just moving forward, as long as these odds are kind of crazy, will strictly be weirdo, whatever. I know he tries and works hard, you know, and yeah. he, you know, he, he will attempt to get better and get back. Some of these guys. Yeah. I wouldn't feel great. Like Louie, if you told me he hadn't picked up a club in three weeks, I believe you. But Bryson, I, I know he's trying and he takes pride in attempting to win and be relevant on this tour. I, I just think these odds, but on Bryson DeChambeau, if they're like, uh, this guy was like under 20 to 1 on PJ Tour events and majors a year ago, two years ago. Great point. It's crazy. No, great point. I would say the same thing about Patrick Reed. Now, I know his odds are probably much shorter, but yeah, Patrick like Reed is also the kind of guy. Like, yeah, I, I don't care if he's playing in your, you know, we're, we're playing a Nassau for 20 bucks. He's going to go all out and try to beat you because he's just very competitive like that. And his game translates, especially with short game. Okay, Valspar. Yeah. 
Um, who do you like? I'm going Jordan this week, and I've got reasons for this. As we've seen with the entire Jordan Spieth experience over the past few weeks, look, it can be really, really good, and it can get ugly in a hurry. We're seeing full ceilings and low floors within a nine-hole stretch um, whenever he plays, and it's really fun to watch. He's the most entertaining player out there to watch right now because you never know what you're going to get. But I look at him, as I wrote in the preview this week, John, I look at him like a race car driver who's essentially over the last couple of months been like, hey, let's get this baby up as fast as we can get it and see what happens. And if we crash and burn, so be it. And I was talking with this, talking about this with his caddy, Michael Greller, a couple of weeks ago. And I said, you know, all the top players say they want their games to peak four times a year, that being the major championships, of course. And then they get to like mid-February and it's like, oh my God, what's wrong with my game? And they start fixing stuff because they're not playing as well as they like. I said, you don't have to agree with me, Michael, but I, I feel like, Jordan has been more patient over the last few years. Doesn't always mean success, but he's been more patient getting to the point where he wants his game to peak. And he agreed with that assessment. He's like, yeah, he does a really good job with that. And the way I look at that is that we shouldn't overrate what Jordan has done over the first couple of months. I, you know, I, I think that he understands, look, I, yeah, he'd love to win Pebble. He'd love to go win at Bay Hill um, where he was up there, but, uh, really, this is all about getting his game in shape for the major championships. I do think that he understands now he can step on the gas pedal and things can get really good really quickly, but he also has to dial it back a few notches as well. This is his last match play or excuse me, last stroke play event before uh, before the Masters. He'll play the match play next week. I think that he wants to get things dialed into where he's comfortable with his game to go out there and win another major championship. I, I like him a lot this week. It's a short number. You mentioned a good field. JT, Jordan, Burns, Fitz, Fleetwood. There's a massive drop-off after that top tier, and I would be surprised if we don't see one of these top-tier guys win this week. One thing I was speaking of the Masters odds this morning, and you know, obviously the top three guys are under 10-1, to 1, but you know, Jordan is a guy. He's definitely been better this year than JT, Finau, a lot of the other top Ryder Cup-type guys, besides maybe Max would be right up there. But for the Masters, you know, if he's right around 20 to 1, that feels, especially if he plays well up until then, because he has had like two out of four rounds of these big tournaments. He's looked awesome. He just hasn't been able to kind of keep it together. You know, Scheffler, Rom, Rory, people are going to hammer those three guys, I think, for the Masters. But you would have to say Jordan, you know, a guy with a lot of course history there. I, I might put a pretty early wager on him just because his odds are pretty, pretty tasty. Yeah, if you'd asked me three months ago, and you probably did ask me this three months ago, but I was on Finau coming into the year. I thought this would be a I good agree. I was spot. Too. He's played well. He just, he's been okay. No. I mean, he hasn't been bad, just he hasn't been great. And one thing I always say about the Masters is that you don't find your game driving down Magnolia Lane. You either got it or you don't. It doesn't show up that week. And so I want guys that have played well over the course of the first three months of the year before they get there. Jordan certainly in the mix. Patrick Cantley has been sort of sneakily playing very decent golf over the last couple of months. He's the guy that I'm looking at as well. Yeah, I mean, we talked last week, and you admitted that Max is better than you thought. I mean, he's yeah. over a four-round period. He's really kind of separating himself. You know, Hovland has been doing this a little longer than Max at the highest level, but Max is really – I feel pretty good about my my uh, future wager on him in the U.S. Open just because I think that numbers, I think I got him at 36 to one. That number would be in the 20s by then. 
Uh, Jeff Sherman, again, when we spoke with him, said Max will be the fourth favorite by the time we get to U.S. Open week, and it might be like 15 to 1 or shorter. I mean, it, like literally everyone in the entire golf betting industry is on Max Homa for the U.S. Open, and that's usually a bad news. You know, usually when it's like, hey, the public's on on this one guy, it usually doesn't happen, but we saw it last year at the Country Club in Brookline. Everybody on Matt Fitzpatrick, oh, he won the USM here. Um, you figure it's not going to, lightning's not going to strike twice, and then he goes out and wins again, and everybody was on it. So I can certainly see Max winning that one. Like you said, specifically on this tournament, there's obviously a drop-off of the top guys. If you don't want to take, you know, whether it's Jordan, G- I couldn't take JT. I've wasted too much money on him this year. A Fleetwood, if it's Patrick, you know, JT Poston, some win equity. He's got a pretty long number. Sam Ryder has played well this year. A long number. Now, is he going to win? You know, then there's like the Damons and the Woodlands. It, it's, yeah. it's hard. You're kind of shooting fish in a barrel, taking some of these guys in, in tournaments like this. You know, and, and these tournaments are going to become pretty in vogue moving forward, like these type yeah. fields, right? So how? what's the strategy on betting them if you don't want to take a guy like 12 to 1? Because if Jordan has a bad Thursday, you're kind of fucked, you know? Yeah, no doubt. Um, I would look even further down the board. I mean, that, look, I love I saw you had Akshay. Yeah, I'm going to get to Akshay. Justin Suh is playing some really good golf. I went and looked. Uh, T to green, we say it every week, T to green is important. If, if, if you suck at hitting driver and suck at hitting your irons, this just in, you're probably not going to win a <laughs> golf tournament. Justin Suh has gained strokes T to green in his last seven. He's been like over a stroke and a half per round T to green in four of his last five. I mean, like really, really hitting it at an elite level. That said, his number right now is like 35 to one. For a guy that's never really sniffed a serious title contention, I, I'm not sure that I want to go there at 35 to one. But I really like the guy's game. Maybe maybe a top five, top ten play, DFS lineups, stuff like that. And then yeah, you mentioned Akshay. I'll get to Akshay. He's 90 to one, which I think is a great number. Second place in Puerto Rico a few weeks ago. This is a kid who um, and now has special temporary membership. He's got that weight lifted. From his shoulder, he can play a little more freer. This is a kid who made his PGA Tour debut at this golf tournament four years ago. One of my favorite question and answer sessions ever because in the second question ever of him being a professional, he was asked, how will you handle adversity? And Akshay responded, can you tell me what adversity is? Like literally <laughs> and figuratively had never seen adversity. <laughs> know what the word meant, which I think is fantastic. Uh, he's he has dealt with a little adversity in his first four years as a pro, but this kid we've all known for a long time has a tremendous amount of talent. He's going to be very good. So I like him. And then, look, if you're going after kids who are really good and looking for the future, this kid Ludwig Aberg, he is from Sweden. He plays at, I believe, Texas Tech. Uh, number one ranked amateur in the world. I'm telling you, he is really, really good. We saw it a little bit at Bay Hill. He was in contention going yeah. into the weekend and uh, didn't fall that far, finished in 24th place. Look, can an amateur win a PGA Tour event? If he is, it's going to be one like this where there's only a handful of superstars and you know he's, his game is probably as good as half the PGA Tour players out there right now, so maybe. Are there rules if you win it? You're like, actually, I'm a pro now. Pay me my money. I'm not going back to school. Or you got to declare that before you tee off on Thursday. I, you know, you think with the NIL stuff now that they'd be able to give him a nice big check and he'd be able to claim something. But I don't, I don't still is, think is Akshay's lady still caddy in form or is he as he moved on to an to an actual caddy? I don't think so. Akshay might have a lot of ladies now. He took his shirt off three times playing the <laughs> Honda 
few weeks ago, that. so he, he might have more ladies. You know, listen, we we learned Hovland may never win, but if you just took a strategy of taking a thousand dollars any big tournament he played in, putting it up five hundred on top five, five hundred on top ten, you would make a lot of money because that guy's floor for a guy that's probably not going to win many times. He is going to just oh he's six, oh he's third, oh he's fourth. I mean that guy is a cash machine. I know. I just I'm still there's something about Hovland that I'm not quite there on him yet. I liked him last week and he played really well. I'm not quite there. I, just talking to him. I don't get the sense that, like, he's Scotty Scheffler. You go, man, that dude loves golf. Like, I guarantee after he won on Sunday night, Monday morning, he flew back home and was at the range by noon and was working on stuff and was just hitting balls because he loves playing golf. I'm not sure I get that same sense from Victor Hovland. That is, that then that said, he, he is wildly talented. He's shown up on all these leaderboards. Yeah, I look, I've been wrong before. Maybe he, you know, loves it more than I think. Maybe he practices and burns and desires for it way more than I think, but I don't know. There's just something that's quite just just missing a little bit from Victor that I'd like to see. Well, I think his major record actually wasn't very good up until last year at the Open when he played with Rory, but H- Hatton's another guy that at the majors for top 10s is going to feel like a guy with some momentum that you know, his game translates because he's he he was he was rolling on Sunday. It was weird to see him out there smiling, wasn't it? I know it was. I don't like Smile. it. I, I, I want I want Hatton on my TV throwing clubs in the water and totally. uh, give, giving his caddy the finger and yelling at people. I don't want to see Hatton smiling around that place, but uh, no, he was absolutely on fire. Seven birdies on the back nine, and and one of the par fives he parred. I mean, that could have been eight under. I mean, that could have been something really really special for Hatton there, but. Uh, tied the low score ever on the back nine at Sawgrass. And yeah, you're right. This is a guy who plays, he plays hard golf courses really well. We've seen yeah. Hill the last few years. I, I almost feel like with Hatton, he either really loves a golf course or really, really hates a golf course. He hates Augusta. And before I, before I bet on him, I'd like to go find Hatton on the range somewhere and be like, so what do you think of this golf course? Because his answer will tell you everything you need to know about whether you should play him or not. Well, Sobel, have a good week. Don't want, don't spend too much time watching the CW over the weekend, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, 
Exclusions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's get to the mailbag. At Golopod, at Golopod. Fire in those DMs on Instagram. At Golopod is the Instagram handle. Give it a follow, and uh, I'll throw up content there as well. As well, And fire in those DMs. Start with uh, Broderick. I don't get to play as much as I want to, but playing only a couple times a month, I'm around a 15. The biggest part of my game that needs improvement is my chipping. Is there anything you do or that you've heard that could help me give something to think the next time I play or work out? Thanks. When I chip, I think about making a cut motion, kind of take it a little more outside and cut it, just because I've heard Jordan Speed talk about it, and he said that Phil told him he does that. I would say out of a 1 to 10, I'm about a 3 chipper, and that might be high. So I I, I don't know. I, I'm terrible. I need a lesson just with the wedges. Maybe I need to get new wedges. I think that's what that's probably the beginning. I need some new wedges, and then I just need a chipping lesson. So I'm the wrong guy to ask. I would go to YouTube. The, the one great part about YouTube is you can go find sweet pros. Like Just type in Tiger Woods on chipping, Phil Mickelson on chipping. Scotty Scheffler, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth on chipping. Tony Finau, I I saw him do this thing in the bunker. Basically, like, don't break your wrists and just kind of rock the baby. And I've done that, and it's just helped me. You know, I'm not a great sand player. It's just helped me if I'm, like, you know, have a relatively easier with some green to use coming out of the sand, have a chance to get up and down. All because I watched a YouTube clip. So my, my advice, YouTube. Love your golf picks for the tour events. I tail you every time because I feel like you know what you're talking about. What do you think of matchup betting in golf? Even odds of some of the top players going head-to-head. Most people like those type gambling a lot more. Like What I'm doing is not working lately. I'm spreading like four or $500 the last couple tournaments. Now, granted, I won. I hit a home a bet. But probably since, I'm probably down a G. And I've just been betting on winners. You know, I... I pick guys to get top 10, but I always get enticed to not do that. Honestly, that's where the money is. Top 10s and top 20s and matchups or groups. Picking a winner is so difficult unless you just gamble on Rom and Scotty and uh, and Rory, then you'll be all right. But picking these random guys is, is becoming a very, very difficult proposition. Would you rather go to the Masters once or have the best ticket on hole 16 at Waste Management every year for the rest of your life? Personally, I would choose the Masters. Agree. Like, I've been drunk a million times. You know, I, I I could go to, like, I don't need to go there to have a good time in life. Though, I, I would like to go, hopefully, meet enough people here and get in the scene and ha- have the access there eventually. But, like, I would much rather go to the Masters. I think it's more... Anyone can go to waste management. Literally, anybody. You can just pay. You can't, not anyone. Like, how many people have you met that have been like, yeah, I've been to the Masters? I, I don't know that many people. 
And the ones that I have met are like, it's pretty incredible. Though I know this one guy in the golf industry, former player, at least in college, who's with a straight face over some beers. He's been to Augusta a lot. Again, works in the business, been to all these courses. Said the course is overrated. Not sure if you're a fan of him, but Azinger is a douche. <laughs> Would be better without half of the rocker innuendos. Hatton with 29 on the back nine. Unreal. Yeah, I mean, I I think golf has really, really struggled. That, And I think football battles is sometimes. Just because you were a huge name like Faldo or Azinger, and I, I don't, I think Azinger is better than Faldo was pretty bad. He, he just was. Elite player. But like Joe Montana was bad at broadcasting games. Reggie Miller, Chris Weber, awful calling games. Right? Like you don't need to be. Immelman's good. Greg Olson's good. Like not everyone has to be the most famous player at the sport to be good on television. Right? It's an entertainment product, especially golf. Johnny Miller, all-time great player, pretty damn good at broadcasting. Why? He would talk some shit. You know, I, I need you to be able to blast guys, but I also Azinger's old. You know, part of it, the rocker stuff. I mean, this guy is, when did he, how old is Azinger? Early 60s? I, I do think some youth, you know, having Colt around, Smiley around, even Immelman feels younger, just feels a little more, I don't know, just some fresh blood. Trevor Immelman's good. Uh, hey, John, question for the bag. Do you think pass rounds at pass courses impact how players see it in their current round regardless of its past result was positive or negative, or do you think they start fresh? Also, JT seems to be off lately. What do you think? Do you think he's still worth betting on? Well, I think there are certain tournaments where course history really matters. Obviously, Augusta plays a part. Uh, I, I think now you're seeing it with like Scotty Scheffler and Rom, Homa at Riv. I think certain guys get really comfortable at certain venues. Shots, think about you as a golfer. You could be a 10 handicap. Certain shots fit your eye at whatever course you play. And then you can go to another course. You're like, God damn, the course was cool, but I I don't like the shot. Like, I, my driver has been way off. These people took me to Mesa Country Club. It's where Joel Damon plays. He loves it. It's actually a pretty hard course off the tee because there are these shoots. You have to be very... You know how, like, Augusta looks on television that shoot on 18? There was a lot of that at Mesa. And if you're, if you're not feeling confident with your driver, especially if you're playing the back tees as I was with these guys... It was very difficult. So that course, it's cool course. Like Damon loves it. He told that story to pardon my take. I think he shot 58 when he was drunk out there. It's a sweet track. If you're hitting the ball straight, if you're not, it'll kick your ass. So I I, I think certain courses for certain horses make a lot of sense. Certain guys obviously transcend. Tiger, Phil in his prime. You know, when DJ's rolling, like these guys can play anywhere. Scotty Scheffler can play anywhere. Right in theory, can Rory play anywhere? You know, Colin Morikawa can't play anywhere. He, these tough courses, like he's not having a lot of success. I think with JT as a guy that's, I've probably put three or four hundred dollars on him this year to win different tournaments. Uh, so I watch a lot of his featured groups. His putting is atrocious. I mean, it's really, really bad. I, I have no faith on him, and he's a guy like Scotty when he's playing well. One separating factor for him is his short game is elite. He is so good with the wedges around the green. He's so good at hitting flighted wedges. I've heard Homa talk about this, how he can like do like a 60% swing from like 90 yards with like a gap wedge and keep it like he's got all these shots. Yet 
when I was watching him, where, where the hell did they just play? Oh, the players. I mean, he, he hit some on Friday, some of the worst shots I've ever seen him hit. You know, I think golf sometimes you can lose a little confidence. You can lose a little momentum. I know me as a player right now, like I've lost all momentum in my swing. I kind of feel lost, and it's a weird feeling. But it, it can happen to a pro or it can happen to a 20 handicap. Long-time listener, do you know about the urban legend regarding weeds at Masters? Is it true that if you find any weeds anywhere on the course, they give you $100? I have not heard that. Uh, but uh, that's believable. You know, I, you know, obviously, I think, I don't know if it's an urban legend. Maybe they just, they paint, right? They paint the sand, don't they? They paint, you know, any grass that's dead. Um, they take their course pretty seriously there. An avid gambler and fanatic of sports encompassing the NFL, NCAA football, PGA Tour. I am curious to learn about the facets of gambling talk you do. I think the capitalization on the phenomenon of TikTok is imperative for growth. I do adding on a personal level of teams and athletes and was hoping to lean your picks for this week. You send them here. I'll send them back. My edits broadcasting the line you take. Want a chance to prove a facet of the industry lacking I really think can propel you to an already great and relatable podcast. I hear you. You know, I isn't, you know, I've I've invested a lot in a stock called Snapchat. I don't use it, but I'm basically shorting TikTok because I think it's gonna get banned. But I hear you. There is huge room for growth in a lot of areas. I would say YouTube as well. YouTube shorts. I need to get better at that. It is a weakness. Like, if I was a pitcher, I don't have those pitches. Uh, having success, but probably leaving some on the table. As my guy uh, sees his profile, let's follow you back. I, I, I'm open to give anyone an opportunity. What's the situation with Rory and his driver? I saw him say his old one wouldn't pass the test. Does he mean that literally? Is there a PGA Tour test your clubs have to pass to be able to use on tour? Is there a sponsor obligation for why he had to change? What's the deal? Well, the way that I thought watching him explain it was, yes, your clubs have to be able to pass tests, right? It's like uh, at any point in time, they can grab your club. But to me, that's the other way. Like you can't be corking it. There's certain, you know, like a cork bat, even though it would be different in golf. But there are regulations to play in tournaments that you have to abide by. The way I thought Rory described it was basically like his old driver kind of died, right? He used it for so long, it was kind of dead. And because TaylorMade is putting out new products, they're not going to let him, because they're paying him a lot of money, right? I mean, you do business with people, whether it's Liv in the Saudis or whether it's TaylorMade, and you take lots of cash. I think it's fair to say that Rory's the highest paid tailor-made athlete. They have things they want you to do because ultimately they use the tour players. And now, you know, what ultimately I aspire to have here, like Barstool has and, you know, the uh, Bob the Sports has now and the good, good guys, they use those guys to funnel clubs to you guys. And so Rory, they want everyone playing that stealth driver. So, I didn't. I just saw briefly the clip and I read the quotes. The way I thought he described it was basically his driver's kind of dead. He needed a new one and they just gave him the brand new driver that they just released, the whatever, Stealth 2. And they're not going to give him the old version of the driver to let him play on tour, 
which seems a little crazy because the better he does, who cares? But this is the business model they're in. But yeah, you you know, if he wanted to like quote unquote cork his driver up, it, it wouldn't pass the test. So that they do have those. Uh, came from the football side of the podcast, but you've gotten me to love golf. Question about the schedule of the podcast. As we get deeper into golf season, would you potentially have two golf podcasts a week? Say one to recap the weekend on Monday and one to preview the next tournament. Love the show and would love more golf content. You know, I've thought about this. I, I definitely will have one after the majors. One thing I might do, like, and I should have done last week, and this is when I talked about leaving stuff on the table. I should just do a YouTube reaction, put it up on YouTube, on John Middlecoff's YouTube page. That'd be pretty easy. But, you know, I, I, I probably need to get a team around me to do some of these extra projects because I have some aspirations of doing some golf videos. I uh, got a tripod. So we're just, we're in the infancy. You know, it's like, you know, when a guy moves to Nashville to follow a country music career, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's part of my move here. This is the Nashville of golf. And obviously, I'm not ever going to be a tour golfer, but we can make some money playing golf in some different avenues. So that that was definitely the goal, the long-term goal here is to kind of build a golf. I'm not even exactly sure, but something around golf because I love it a lot and I play a lot of it. <clears throat> Did you decide if you were coming to live in Tucson? Right now, I would be leaning no just because free agency is busy this week. Uh, I, I might play golf Friday or Saturday. I got my girlfriend's family's coming next week. We'll be out and about at spring training games. I have to drive down there, spend the night, you know, it's just, if it was in Scottsdale, it'd be a no-brainer. Do I want to drive two hours, rent a hotel? Because you'd have to get wasted. Uh, but it's still, I would say there's a 15, 10, 20% range, somewhere in there, uh, that I do it spur of the moment come Saturday morning. It would be Saturday. Because I might put a little action, as I told Sobel on Bryce DeChambeau, 55 to 1. So uh, have a good week. Fire in those DMs. Adios. Appreciate it, everybody. See ya. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.